Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello, and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but as you know by now, we're in this together, and we have some wonderful people helping us along the way. Now, each one of us as a parent, teacher, coach, or mentor wants to help raise and inspire kids who are happy, well-adjusted, confident, and resilient. But in today's world, it's not always easy. The messages we receive as parents and educators can get really confusing, and we don't always know the right thing to do. We hear, make sure to encourage your child, but don't give too much praise or it will backfire. Let your child fail, but balance it with pointing out strengths and successes. And for goodness sake, don't tie that achievement with self-esteem. Give your child responsibilities, but don't forget to allow them to have free time and play too. So much to balance so much to remember. I know you understand what I'm saying. And still, of course, we all have our bad days when we throw up our hands and we wonder if we're ever going to get any of it right. Who hasn't been there? So to discuss and tease through how we can raise happy, confident, resilient kids, we have my friend and colleague Sue Atkins on the show today. Sue Atkins is an internationally recognized parenting expert, broadcaster, speaker, and author of the Amazon best-selling books, Parenting Made Easy, How to Raise Happy Children, and Raising Happy Children for Dummies. You know the one in the famous Black and Yellow series. She also got wonderful parenting CDs, and she has just launched her new Can Do Kid Journal to give children the gift of self self-esteem and self-confidence, as well as the Divorce Journal for Children. Sue produces the Sue Atkins Parenting Show, a weekly parenting podcast where she gives practical ideas for raising happy, confident kids. Sue also specializes in supporting families through divorce. You can find Sue on morning shows like This Morning, as well as radio shows and in articles around the world. To learn more about Sue or to get her great advice or her wonderful products, go to www.thesueatkins.com and download them instantly today. So much to learn about kids and so much to learn about how we can raise these kids in a really confident and important atmosphere. We're so grateful for you to be here. Welcome, Sue Atkins, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Well, thank you very much indeed. I'm delighted to be here. We finally got together. I know it's so it's it took a while, a couple of tries. <laughs> That's okay. But we persevered, which is what we want our kids to do too. We want to persevere. 
Well, that's true. I'm just reading a book at the moment called Grit by yes. Angela Duckworth. Yes, she's, it's it amazing. It is yes. fantastic. Yes. So, yeah, we've got Grit, the pair of us as yes, well. Yes, we, we really did. We picked ourselves off, dusted ourselves off. Yeah. And, and here we, we are. went for it. And here we are. <laughs> so before we dive in, I really want people to get to know you because people haven't always you know, read your books or gotten to know you before we get to this stage. So... Can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and how you got so interested in the topic of raising happy, confident and resilient kids? Wow. OK, I will do. Well, what gets me up in the morning is my passion for parenting and helping parents be the best that they can be without finger pointing, without judgment, mm. without any tutting. It's a tough job. And I'm passionate about helping parents raise children with strong self-esteem, because I believe underpinning everything I do and write about and talk about is actually that passion. And that came from actually my own parents. Um, I was a teacher and a deputy head teacher for 25 years and my father died and my mother died within the same year of each other which was quite tough because I'm an only child and I remember walking my dogs across the fields here in Surrey near London and I thought well what did my parents give me and they gave me um, self-esteem and a belief in myself and that was the biggest gift that they gave hopefully not an arrogance but a belief if I worked hard kept trying I could achieve all sorts of things so I remember changing my I think the death of my mum and dad made me think about my own life mm -hmm. and where I was going and what I wanted to do so I decided that I would go and retrain and I thought it was all about um, parenting really when I look back I thought well my mum and dad had done a great job hopefully uh, around raising me and I thought I'd like to be able to help and teach people so I went off and I did some training in something called NLP which is the study of excellence yes. so I trained a great deal right up to that so I'm an NLP master and a practitioner and a trainer and so then um, I was invited once I left teaching it was really funny how life just takes you in a direction it's almost yes. like Tony Tony Robbins says sort of date with destiny yes. but um, I was sort of invited then uh, in 2007 to write um, the dummies book mm. the black and yellow one yes, awesome. um, yes. yeah raising happy children for dummies uh, I remember thinking gosh what an amazing coincidence <laughs> I was invited to do that wrote that that led to radio on BBC radio I'm nearly on radio here in England nearly every day mm -hmm. talking about comments and things around parenting and that led to TV and being the ITV this morning parenting expert on the sofa of one of the big shows here in the UK so I hope that answers that mm -hmm. <laughs> I love I love you telling us we don't do parenting with all that tut tutting it's such an English no. way of saying I love that it's no good that tut tutting because you know there for the grace of god go i i've got two kids and uh, you know we're all on an adventure together aren't we yes we are and we're so glad you're on it with us because we've got a lot of questions and i know that you can answer them you know i oh, no I, pressure yes no no pressure but you, this is what you do <laughs> this is who you are and I, I i i love a lot of what you do and i i know we we all obviously want happy and confident, resilient kids. I, I think we can all agree that when we see the children in our lives able to feel good about themselves, push themselves, believe in themselves, that's that's a wonderful sight to see. That's what we want. Mm, so oh, yeah. you talk about a blueprint that you like to use to discuss how to raise happy, resilient, confident kids. So can you explain yes. to our How to Talk to Kids About Anything audience your crucial C's that you talk about. 
Yes, well, the Crucial Seas are based actually on um, psychology by Ad, uh, Alfred Adler, mm. and I think that I've simplified them. And the idea being that really they've done so much research around raising happy kids. But if if children feel connected, connected to you, connected to the family, connected to society, connected to I don't know their school, then they they seem to they seem to thrive. And if they feel capable and competent, if you allow them to feel capable and do things for themselves and be independent, then that raises their self-esteem. Then if they feel that they count, that they're significant, that they matter, not only to you and your family, but to, you know, to the world and to society at large, that seems to have a bearing on their happiness and their, their competency. And then they need courage. They need the courage to fail or the, the courage to get back up. And so um, I talk an awful lot about these crucial C's because it helps you sort of analyse what might be missing if your if your child is you know going off the rails a little bit or or causing a fuss or is a toddler having a tantrum. I think then if you sort of look at these four fundamentals, it helps you meet the challenges of life of raising children. So are you saying then that if a child seems to be acting out or pulling away or, you know, tantruming, as you're telling us, that maybe one of those crucial C's isn't being fed at that time? Yes, it's not being met, actually, because a toddler's and the other thing to help parents reframe instead of saying, oh, gosh, it's the terrible twos mm-hmm. or the terrible threes. Mm-hmm. It could be the terrific twos mm-hmm. and the terrific threes because if you understand what children are actually doing at that stage is striving to be independent. And sometimes if you're robbing them of the opportunity to try things for themselves, like, I don't know, do up their seatbelt in the car, mm-hmm. pull on their coat or do their zip or whatever they're trying to do, then actually you are denying them the chance of feeling that they're able, that they're competent and they're, they're capable And of course, feeling like that helps you feel, you know, good about yourself. So it builds their self-esteem. So that sort of is the trigger with toddler tantrums is what's underneath it. That's what I'm always helping parents look for. Right. It's it's interesting because our society so often puts pressure on people to do it bigger and better and faster. And, you know, it, it's it puts so much pressure on parents to keep moving. We're overscheduled. We're running from this place to that. And then we wind up doing things for our kids. Right. We wind up. We'll just tie the shoes. We'll just do the belts. We'll do it all because we'll get out the door faster. And not yes. to mention Nobody loves to see their child struggle. And when they're struggling with the belt, the, the, the shoes, the jacket, and you just want to, oh, let me just take it from you and I'll just do it for you. In the long run, that actually does quite a number on our self-esteem, doesn't it? It does, because if you constantly do it, of course, we're busy, we're frenetic, we're trying to get out of the door quickly. But I think it's and again, it's not leaving a child to struggle for so long Mm -hmm. that they are dispirited and they give up and think, God, the world isn't a very safe place or a very nice place because nobody comes to help you. It's not that. It's that sort of balance, though, between I call it between rescuing a child or empowering a child. So just pause to ponder that for a sort of a, a couple of minutes longer and then also don't just come in and do that stuff perhaps show them 
how to do mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. And of course, being mindful that their fingers, if they're young, aren't as dexterous as they might want to be, but teaching them to be patient with themselves. But I do like that idea of, you know, tenacity and grit and keeping at something mm-hmm. and not giving up too quickly. And certainly parents, of course, want to look after their kids and make life easy for them. Mm-hmm. But actually, you, you rob them of feeling self-reliant and resourceful and resilient if you, I think, constantly do that overwhelming business in that moment because we're so much about scripts I'm wondering what would you say to your child your child's struggling with the zipper or the seat belt and you know you're right in that moment where you see the child sort of struggling and getting frustrated but you also know that the child wants to do it themselves what kind of things would you say to that child to encourage them Yeah, well, the thing for me is that you get grounded and relaxed and positive. And I think it's quite helpful if you name the emotion for them. Mm -hmm. So you can say in a calm sort of voice, oh, I can see that you're struggling with that. That must be a bit frustrating. Um, Can I help you? Is there anything, you know, or shall I let you try for a bit longer? You know, it's that Mm -hmm. kind of judging the moment. But certainly naming the emotion is always a great idea because I think children who feel heard feel understood and that tends to take down their frustration their anger whatever those high-end emotions are so yes just be mindful of that and you know with time you can observe when to step in and when to step out Mm. and then you know obviously if you really do have to get to that meeting and all the rest of it you say well you know we need to get a move on now so let me help you because I talk a lot about your tone of voice and your body language Mm. these are all the unconscious messages that kids are picking up from you all the time you are a role model in everything and so we don't often think about that we don't notice that our tone of voice might be this way Mm -hmm. a bit sharp or a bit high or a bit angry Mm -hmm. and we don't always notice whether our body is actually being a positive influence or whether our body is screaming something different at our kids I love what you're saying, and I especially want to underscore when you said, you know, that children who feel heard feel understood. You know, it's so much, you know, we talk so much about conversations, discussions here on our podcast, but of course, one of the most important things we can do is listen, both listen to our Mm. children and Mm. listen to our tone of voice, listen Mm. to our internal voice, what we may not be saying, but it's Mm. coming out in different ways. So I really, I love that. It's, It's you understand others and you understand yourself better when you listen. Well, I often say to my parents that I work with as well, you have two ears and one mouth Mm -hmm. for a reason. So that just makes them smile, but it makes them think. And that's all you need to do. Think a little sometimes. So we hear more and more that there are dips in confidence throughout childhood. Sometimes they're due to disconnection. We talk about the need for connection, of course, with so much faceless communications. We got our iPhones, we got computers. Sometimes it's due to feeling inadequate or passed over by other kids. We certainly talk a lot about uh, relationships in schools, feeling different, misunderstood. This can, of course, affect how a child approaches new activities, classes, skills, homework, even everyday life. So what are your top tips to raise kids with self-esteem, creating what you typically refer to as I can do kids? 
Gosh, there's a big question. Um, again, I think we are social beings. We have a need to connect. We have a need to be interdependent. Um, that means just not totally dependent on others, like babies are obviously at the beginning totally dependent. But we have to help kids move through that process of moving from total dependence into being interdependent themselves. So I think we model it. And I think children are watching us. They're listening to us. They're observing us all all the time and it was many years ago I remember someone from Northern Ireland ringing me up to have their child come on one of my confident classes for kids workshops now I've created the can do kid journal so you don't have to come on the workshop but she rang me and she was talking she was very shy very quiet could barely hear her and it sort of dawned on me that how could her six-year-old um, necessarily get this confidence and this way to be assertive and confident if mum wasn't modelling it herself or dad or partners or whoever? Um, so that's what I think is interesting is notice how you speak to other people, how you talk about life, how you embrace things or run away from things. Because I think that's also what we are passing on unconsciously to our children. And the other balance here is between praising, encouraging, rewarding. And there is that sort of movement, isn't there, around to say that we just overpraise yes, our kids. Right. They just have to sort of, you know, sneeze and we say, oh my goodness, <laughs> did you do that? Sneeze. You just are marvellous. <laughs> so talented at sneezing. So um, we have to watch that. I think praise and encouragement needs to be genuine it needs to be sincere I think it needs to be very specific age appropriate and I think it it has to be sort of coming from within as in meaningful uh, and I think children sense that and notice that you don't want to create a child that I describe as a sort of Veruca salt mm. from you know Charlie and the yes. Chocolate Factory you don't want that sort of child you don't want a child overbearingly confident I don't mean that because that borders on arrogance right, and cocky kind of kid. yeah yes. you don't want that either so it is a balancing act but it is the way we speak to our children the way we allow them to try and do things for themselves all these things build up their self-esteem build up their their feeling of capability and it is about helping them come back from um, an obstacle or a failure or a disappointment or a mistake and I think it's important how we talk about mistakes mm -hmm. I call them falling forward yes. or failing forward right. um, because then you always say well what did you learn from that right. because I think that helps a child then yes. self-regulate themselves learn from their mistake don't see it as oh my god you're just awful yes. it's you know we're human beings and you're young and you know you haven't got as much experience as me and yet I make hundreds of mistakes all the time Time. I don't beat myself up about right. it. I just go, what can I do better next time? Oh, so, so those, important. Yeah, they build up the I can kid, really. So important. And I, I, I honestly just had this conversation with my daughter because she's been getting frustrated with some of the different, you know, Lego things that she's been doing, like more intricate, more big kid type Legos mm. that she's been doing. And they're frustrating at times. Not everything stays together. It falls apart. It gets, it's annoying. And I and I said that same thing to her. You know, a failure is an opportunity to learn something, and you don't have to do it again that way next time. Now we check that off our list, and we move mm. on to another technique. Um, so you know, she's understanding it more and more. But I I do find myself repeating that. 
Um, we interviewed Jessica Leahy, who did The Gift of Failure, and she talks a lot about that, too. We have to allow our kids to fail in order for them to learn how to succeed. And I think that's what you're underscoring here, that mistakes are mistakes are great. I really feel like they're so important to make them. And that when, you, as you were saying in the beginning of this podcast, when we give our kids the opportunity to do a little struggling on their own, then they have the opportunity to, yes, both fail and succeed. Yes, and I think children need to know that it's okay. And that's why how we speak about things. I had a a family recently, they've got three girls. And it was very interesting, I've been working with the parents and they're quite perfectionists and uh, they're very successful in both their fields. And it was very interesting when I pointed out that there was tension in the house Mm. and the girls, and they're what, 15, 13 and five. Mm. The girls really didn't like it if they made a mistake, even in the silliest of things, like feeding the guinea pig. If they, you know, didn't do it quite in a certain way and that didn't work out then they were really hard on themselves and they started to realize that they had been unconsciously passing that on all the time to the girls that you know even the silliest of mistakes or turning left when you you meant to turn right was a failure and it was terrible it was all blown up out of proportion so we've worked with them and they've changed that around and everyone's more relaxed Mm -hmm. and the girls are sort of laughing if they make a mistake and this is not about just um you know being slapdash about everything and you couldn't care less again everything i speak of is about finding that healthy balance so they've now found a better balance in their family around making mistakes and learning from them you know what was the key thing that sort of turned it around for them in terms of being able to laugh at themselves making mistakes or at least look at the mistakes in a more positive light well, it was actually dad, which was fascinating because he's a high um, successful salesman in his business. And, you know, he was the one that went, oh, that means when I say that and I do that and I act around that. And actually, it was it was funny. It was when he said he turned left and got so annoyed when he, sh- he meant to turn right. And he would deny that he'd made a mistake and he was doing all that sort of business. It was when he got the aha moment that actually everything seemed to change. And then his wife said, oh, you know, yes, well, actually, you know, and all the rest of it. So what was great is they were open. He didn't see it as a threat that we were, you know, that his wife was criticizing him or anything like that he saw it because he had an attitude to want to be the best and to change and to give the girls less pressure to be perfect Mm -hmm. and I think that was the key to it what an important gift that you helped to give these this family because of course there's a lot of pressure to be perfect uh, especially for girls unfortunately in in today's world is there anything that we we should know for kids who may not be typically developing, you know, who may maybe have some special needs, they don't do certain skills or homework or athletics in the same way as a sibling or a friend. This this kind of comparison that so many people do that can create problems with self-esteem. So how how can we help kids mm. who maybe have has that they may have special needs or unique issues who mm. are maybe different? How can we make those into I can kids? Well, I wrote about that as well as hundreds of articles on my blog and on my website around special needs and additional needs. And, you know, it's a big deal when you discover that your child may not be making the same milestones as your sister's, you know, daughter or your friend or at school. 
And it is a process. It's not an event. And everyone has to come to terms with the diagnosis. If you go towards, you know, the doctor or the hospital and you start to realize, or the school, and they suggest perhaps your child is autistic or they might have dyspraxia or whatever the additional need may be. Now, that is a moment. And I I understand that. And I think some parents need to understand that it's okay to grieve at that point, not necessarily in front of the child, but go off and, you know, come to terms with it because you have to learn to accept it. And what then happens is once you accept it, you can embrace it and then you can celebrate all their unique and wonderful milestones they might be different to other people Mm. but life is not a competition Mm. and I have um, a a great friend and she writes a wonderful blog called Downside Up she um, has a Down syndrome daughter called Natty and you know she has done a TED talk about the the moment that she discovered that and how it affected her and her husband and but they've turned it around completely they have an older daughter as well and once they made sort of not peace with it but once they accepted it because of course don't forget your partner might be different places on the on the on the kind of acceptance i talk about the sort of five to seven uh, stages that you might go through so check out the blog on that but they were at different places and you once you both kind of come to the acceptance then you can start to celebrate the the milestones in a different way and you know your child is wonderful they are unique they are special in their own way anyway and i think it's helpful to not see parenting as competitive and that's whether you've got a special needs child or not you know kids in a family don't need you to keep comparing them that's not very helpful at all yeah i would actually love for you to expand on that in just one sense like with a child if you have say two or three children or more and you have maybe the youngest child who feels like they want to keep up with their big brother or big sister and and obviously they're challenged in that area because they're younger and you know aren't able to do everything that their mm. big brothers and sisters are able to do you know what what can you do to help build the self-esteem of the younger child or the smaller child like if you have twins and the other one is smaller or less capable what what can you do in that circumstance well, again, um, I've written a lot about um, the position that you are born in, in the family, how it affects you, whether you're the eldest one with the leadership thing or the youngest one who's babied or the middle child who's trying to find their identity. Um, but as a parent with all your children, I think it's a really good idea to celebrate all of their individuality and I do something with when I used to teach and now with the parents I work with I talk about and it's in the can do kid journal I am special because and that doesn't mean your special needs it just means you are unique and special because and then I get the kids I work with and the parents to start writing down all these amazing things now this is not academic this is not I'm great at maths and I'm good at fractions this can also be I'm a really kind person I'm loyal I'm trustworthy I'm honest uh, I happen to be good at netball or I'm very good at catching a ball or whatever it, or drawing you name it but the more you write it out and, and sort of celebrate it then you realize we've, we're all different and what I suggest families do is I call it the we team um, we mm-hmm. we are 
you know, we are the Atkins team. And certainly when I work with families with, say, two competitive boys, I, I help the parents get into that mindset of we're going to celebrate that Joe is very good at um, swimming. And, you know, he's, he's doing this and it's marvellous. And, you know, I don't know, uh, Sam is marvellous at rugby or he's marvellous at baseball or basketball or whatever he's good at. And it's not a competition. So we celebrate that you're great at swimming and you've won some awards or you just enjoy it more or you, you're more talented at that. And we celebrate the fact that, that, you know, the other brother or the other sister is very good at the other thing. So you work as a team. You, you celebrate we're all good at some things and not so good at others. And I talk about that when I used to teach. I used to say that, you know, I'm a, quite a good cook, but I'm really not very good at sewing and I really don't like it. And so <laughs> I kind of just accept that, really. Yes. And I, I will say to someone else, you couldn't sew that button on for me, could you? Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, it's about looking at the whole person and reminding each person that confidence is an inside job. We are either motivated towards something or away from something. And we need to be able to empower children to actually believe in themselves. And I often say to the kids I work with, borrow my belief in you mm. until you can find your own belief. Oh, yes, I love that. That is beautiful. And yes, you and I can have maybe like a, a, a brunch or a lunch or a dinner because I love to cook too. So we could have a very <laughs> good time together. Um, so scripts are obviously very important to, to parents and educators who listen to this show. And they're a very special part of what we love to do. So I would love it if you could imagine a child is in front of you. And let's say there's this awesome new program that they've never done before. This is like a typical thing, a new activity or a skill. And that this type of thing might bring them out of their comfort zone because they haven't done it before. Maybe it's different. Maybe they'll be away from their parents or maybe they'll be doing something they haven't done. If this child is sitting in front of you saying, I can, I don't want to, it won't go well, I stink at this, I need my mom, I need my dad, what can we say that can help get that self-esteem back on track? Okay, well, we have two voices in our heads, no matter whether we're Barack Obama, whether we're the Queen of England, or whether we're mum or dad, or, or, you know, whoever we are. And I always work with those two voices. And I tell, I always use stories and metaphors and talk to kids about things. And I, I get them to remember a time in the past when they had learned something like, for example, they couldn't walk when they were two when they started, but they got back up and had another go. I get them to look at a time in the past when they've done something well. So they get into a positive state about themselves. And then I help them look at the two voices in their own head. One is always that inner bully. It's so unkind to us. You know, you're foolish, you're hopeless, you're Absolutely. no good, you're, you, you can't. And I talk to them about, you know, the, the brain can't differentiate between I can and I can't. So if you say I can't, the brain goes, okay, I can't. So I help them with that. And then I help them look at the, the kind voice. You can call it the inner angel or you can call it the inner, I don't know, the inner coach, whatever name suits you to call it. But usually that's a whisper. That's the voice that goes, you're very good at that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, gosh, yeah, go on. You'd love to do that, really. It needs a microphone. You know, it does. <laughs> In fact, that's a really good idea. I'm going to tell the I always tell it uh, the kids to turn it up like yeah. they do on a, it's a mic uh, or a bullhorn. <laughs> yeah, you're right. A megaphone. They need to hear yes. that voice louder. So turn it up and bring it closer to your ear and start listening to that voice because that's an empowering voice. And the other thing to remember is, you know, whoever you are, whether you are, well, 
it's a bit dated now to talk about David Beckham, but um, David Beckham was a fantastic footballer yes, here in the UK. Amazing, yeah. But he was also, and he still is around, of course, but he was one of the last to leave the football field because he practised, practised, practice that famous kick and you know bend it like Beckham is yes. that film based on that but what's the difference here and whoever your sporting hero may be or your musician hero or your drama or your actor or whoever is your hero or heroine they have practiced that skill I love Judy Dench right mm. she only lives around the corner from me oh wow and I taught her grandson actually for a while but anyway but what I love about her is she has an enormous in you know talent but she's also practiced and practiced and practiced it too and she's so modest so anybody that's any good at anything didn't start off naturally like that necessarily they might have had a bit of talent towards it but to become a master of anything takes practice and tenacity and I think that is a very great attribute and so when I was at Kidzania, I'm on the think tank of Kidzania London, and that's where the Can Do Kid Journal came from in a way, because I was watching a child who was about eight, um, really watching these kids climb up this sort of pretend mountain and abseil down it in, in Kidzania. And I could sense that the child really wanted to do it, but was nervous about not just the height of it, was nervous about looking foolish doing mm -hmm. it. And that's what triggered me to think, right, I need to create a journal that kids can do at home in the privacy of their own home. They don't have to show it to anyone. Or they can if they want. They can do it at school because it's in all the schools in UK now, actually. Mm -hmm. wow. but, but you can do stuff that will build a muscle because I see self-esteem and the can-do kid attitude as a muscle it can it can wobble and you can be in different situations you can be very confident in one situation and in another you can be mortified or shy or embarrassed and we're all like that mm -hmm. so it's about helping a child notice that to understand it but not let it transfix you like a rabbit in the headlights it's about overcoming it and sometimes you break those things down into incremental small steps the goal is to overcome something but perhaps you just take a tiny little pigeon step or a fairy step towards that and that builds your resilience your confidence and your ability to trust and believe in yourself so break it down and don't get overwhelmed by it oh it's so beautiful and so helpful i love that idea of the the little fairy step or the pigeon step. <laughs> I'm guessing that this type of idea can also be applied to kids who maybe they're getting older, but they have behaviors that frustrate them because they feel like they are embarrassing or too young. I'm thinking like a speech impediment. They're smaller than the other kid. They're still bedwetting. Things that they hope won't, you know, come out and, and mm. you know, people don't know. Mm. What are some ways to help kids cope with feeling embarrassed with some of these common, I mean, they are very common, but frustrating issues that make them feel like they might be perceived as a baby? Yes, well, I think it's about keeping the perspective of that because we have the bigger picture. We have the bigger view. We know our child won't stay stuck in that moment. Um, I'm, I hope my daughter's not listening. She's 23 now, but my daughter bedwetted for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. And yes, it is frustrating and it is hard to, you know, to keep on holding the space for a child at three o'clock in the morning when you're changing the bed again. But I kept the bigger picture. I knew she wouldn't always be like this as, as she grew up and as her muscles, you know, got stronger or she 
she was a deep sleeper actually yeah. she just didn't wake up and I kept that bigger picture and I think that helps you as a parent and then also you know keeping that bigger picture is not the child is not just the problem don't define the child by the problem of being you know immature or not able to do something uh, hold the picture of when they can do it and help them you know love them for where they are now and sometimes getting books storybooks I think are a wonderful way because it's not too intense you curl up you start to read a story that you've bought deliberately around you know I don't know whatever it might be um, I bought a book for one of the little boys I was working with um, he was frightened of making mistakes and he was on the autistic spectrum so I bought this book and we read this story and it just kick-started a conversation mm -hmm. and then I led him down you know the path of what's that voice saying in your own head and of course it was so cruel what the voice was saying oh. in his own head so we helped him reframe it and then you know you ask him questions and how to reframe it and he said um, I think the word yet is helpful yes. I can't do it yet yes, yes that's such a beautiful and, way of doing oh, things don't you think? and he just relaxed you know his, you just watched yes. his body relax yes. so yes i hold the space for your kids and keep the bigger picture and celebrate what they do right what they get right mm -hmm. who they are anyway uh, rather than focus on just that little problem at the moment yes i love carol dweck's work and uh, on on yet and i think that's such an important word to use with our kids so that mm -hmm. you know they understand that it's coming and that you know it, it's not a black or white situation it's not like yes. you don't have it now you're never going to get it it's it'll yeah. come mm -hmm. in time before we get to the you know your top crucial tip I want to just touch on one area that you are such an expert in, and that's in divorce. Um, we've had a couple of people talking about divorce on the show. We had Marty Matika and Christina McGee, both divorce coaches, mm. and, and how divorce can really change the paradigm in a child's war world. So with an eye on self-esteem and confidence and happiness that you're so known for, how can parents help their kids through divorce so that they still embrace life positively, even when things seem to be going in a direction that makes them feel sad and uncomfortable for a while. Very interesting question, because I was just on BBC actually this morning, because there's a study out in the UK linking mental health to step families and divorce. And, mm -hmm. and the thing I noticed, and I wrote a blog about it today, actually, they kept on referring to broken families. Oh, and I really... No. I really didn't like that and I've just written about it because broken implies that it's a failure, that it's dysfunctional, that it's, you know, damaged in some way. Family life has changed. That's what it is. And I always say it's not the divorce or the breakup that damages children. It's the level of conflict that they experience, actually. And, you know, we're in a difficult place when we're going through a divorce and perhaps we need to be mindful of our children because we need to sort ourselves out. Now, it's a bit like the analogy of when you're in an aeroplane, mm -hmm. you put the mask on yourself first right. and therefore you're able then to help support and nurture your child. And when I'm working with families and I've got the divorce journal for kids and I've got conversational cards uh, around co-parenting and all sorts of stuff to help families keep communication going mm -hmm. and I get them to put a photograph and this might help some of your listeners as well. Put the photograph of the kids in the centre. And I remember doing this with a couple who were doing quite well on it considering all things considered but whatever they were discussing or arguing about or something and the dad said something and then I just said well do you want to look at that picture of Ruby there and I said what do you think Ruby would make of that 
And he just went, oh, no, that's that's not a good idea, is it? And I said, well, you know, okay, so let's reframe it. Let's start again on this particular issue and let's look at it. So it wasn't judgment. It was just he had forgotten his perspective. Mm -hmm. So it's about remembering that your children, you're divorcing your partner, but they're not divorcing their dad or their mum. And they love them just as much. And it's not their fault that you, you know, fallen out of love or you've had an affair or things have changed. So it's being mindful. And one of the key things here is to not disrespect their dad or their mum by speaking badly about them in front of, you know, in front of the kids. That is one of the things I really don't like because that really is upsetting mm-hmm. to a child and really damages their self-esteem because they think is there something wrong with me because I'm half of mum or I'm half of dad and they always think is it my fault so one of the first key messages I say to parents is please reassure your children that they are not to blame for this because I've heard kids say oh is it because I jumped in your bed all night you know and, and you were, I was wriggling or is it because I didn't get those grades or is it because I didn't help undo you know I don't know do the dishwasher I mean, you know, because kids don't really understand the complexities of relationships. So that is very important. And then, you know, start to focus on the positive things that you can't give all the answers straight away. You don't always know them, but reassure them that they are loved both by you and by their mum or their dad or the partner that's left. And that, you know, it, it is transition. It is a bit different but you will get through it and it will feel okay and normal but hold the space for them to feel heard we're back to that thing mm-hmm. where they can feel nurtured and it's okay to express their emotions because they will be angry because they're the ones who have suddenly i remember a child saying but i'm the one who has to keep getting the backpack and yes, you know going to so bring my clothes somewhere sometimes. else exactly you know? yes and so it's about it's not always easy but no. it's important yes. you know Yes. Oh, thank you so much for that. I love that you were talking about how the parents are divorcing one another, but they're not divorcing their child and how we really need to underscore that. I loved uh, when I interviewed Christina McGee, she had Mm. said that divorce ends a marriage, not a family. And I, I, yes. I love that idea too. This, yeah. It's just important for the kids to know that, that this is, and the whole idea of this broken family, thank you for bringing that up because I, I think you're right. That is, that's a misnomer that, that we got to get rid of that because that's, that's not healthy for anybody to look at a family as being broken in any way. Mm, exactly. So at this point, I'd love to get, your top crucial tip for creating happy, confident kids who are resilient and ready to take life on? Well, I think it comes from you. If you're happy, if you're confident, if you're resilient, if you're relaxed and positive around your kids, they are naturally going to pick that up in the way you speak and what you do how you act and I think if you're acting that sort of confidence and that sort of balance then your children will you know they'll pick it up from you and they'll be happy confident and positive too Mm -hmm. it's not always easy is it in our (laughs) day-to-day lives but I think if we keep that in our mind or maybe write ourselves a note (laughs) because I think yeah you know it's very important it is 
And it's important to get me time because if you're running on empty, certainly mums do this. If you're trying to juggle everything and you keep dropping, you know, the balls and stuff, you've got to be mindful that you are crucial here. So go and have a break. Go out to the cinema. Go for a drink. Go for a run. Go for a walk. Read a book. Whatever it is to replenish your batteries because then you start the next day feeling confident and positive and patient because you've had a break from it. And I get people to write in their positive parent journal which you can get from my website um last thing at night write in your journal what went well that day not loads and loads but just one or two things right and at the end of a week score yourself on what you've done and you will notice there are loads of wonderful things you've got right so that keeps you positive you fall asleep last thing at night with positive psychology you know rolling around in your head so you wake up in the morning ready to embrace the day and i think that's a great tip for parents what a great idea what a great idea and then of course as the week progresses and you accumulate all these positive things you look back and you're like hey that was a yeah, good I'm week a and i'm an awesome parent yes. <laughs> give myself a little break because most parents are but most people beat themselves up what they get wrong okay we all make mistakes we do say things in anger but you know what over the whole bigger picture if you love your kids and you're kind to them and you i think children spell love t-i-m-e so if you spend time with them sometimes it doesn't even matter whether you're gardening watching the tv or whether you're playing a computer game or whether you're cooking or whatever you're doing children spell love time and if you're chatting with them and listening to them and having fun with them they're going to grow up happy and confident love all of that and i also love that you put high beams on our need for some self-care and giving us uh, uh, some time to be on our own a little bit i was talking back and forth with somebody on instagram uh that i had i'd posted a meme and you know she was talking about um sometimes our kids drive us crazy and she said but i really want to be present for them and i said well sometimes to be fully present for your children you have to sometimes be absent oh i like (laughs) it she said that that is the quote thank you (laughs) she said i'm gonna take that and i'm gonna remember that because i think sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to to take a step back and and feed our own souls and and allow ourselves to 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 replenish even taking a hot shower or you taking a walk as you were saying can can help that so i love that thank you for that Can you give us the resource of the week? Where can we go to get all of your fabulous resources? You have so many of them and to hear more about the great things you're doing. Well, I have the, the, I've just started it now, the Parenting Online Club. And if you go across to um, the club, you can join it and you will get all sorts of free resources there. There's the Positive Parenting Journal that you can download uh, immediately that's free. And there's all sorts of checklists around things for raising happy kids from babies to toddlers to teenagers. So come along and join the Parenting Online Club because then you also meet like-minded families. And I'm doing a webinar on the 31st of this month month Mm. uh, which is January if you're listening live to it uh, all about the crucial seas where Mm. of course I'll go into far more detail about that and I've just launched a new e-course today actually because every month I launch a new e-course for my members this one is about confidence for children 11 to 18 so head over there and you'll pick up all sorts of stuff around uh, going into a bit more detail about raising children with the I can confidence 
attitude to life. So would they all just go to thesueatkins.com and they can get to yes. all of these things? Okay, absolutely. Great. And it's just a brand new website. Oh, um, fancy, so fancy. I'm, yeah, <laughs> so it's it's all different colors and all the rest of it. So go and have a play and have a, an explore over there because it's a pack full because I'm passionate about parenting just like you. Oh, wow. I'm really just appreciative of all that you have provided with us uh, today, but also just going through so many tips and giving us the scripts of what to say in particular moments that that we feel sometimes we don't have the right words. So thank you so much for that. I loved what you were saying about making sure that these children feel heard so they feel understood and and making sure we, we give ourselves some time, give ourselves some breaks and understand that we all make mistakes, both, both our kids and ourselves, many, many, many of them. And we grow and learn from them. So thank you for that. Well, it's been a pleasure. I love chatting about parenting. So I think I should reciprocate and I'd love to talk to you where I interview you oh, about well, all your wonderful fun. work. Yes. So we'll, we'll set that up as well. Um, and uh, let's, because I think it's about sharing good practice. I believe that it takes a community to raise families and we've all got different ideas. Like you've got some wonderful ideas and different ways of seeing things. And all together, then we can actually raise a happy, confident kid, can't we? I think we can. And I like that. Let's do some some sharing of parenting tips and scripts and tools and stories and we'll help as many parents as we can and I just want to say thank you and I I I hope everybody's got their takeaways because I feel like I have been writing and writing and writing since you started talking today I have all my takeaways and sweet friends (laughs) I am sure that you have yours because we went through divorce and we went through mistakes and we went through dealing with young children and children who had special needs it was a lot so thank you so very much for being on the show today Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, well, you are welcome. Well, everybody, I hope that you will come up on Facebook and let's talk about this awesome podcast today. You can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I am also on Instagram now. It just started under Dr. Robin Silverman. I'm putting everybody's memes. I'm going to be putting up all these quotes from Sue Atkins up there too because, my gosh, I don't know if you realized it, but I certainly did. She was like a quote a minute. So I loved all of that. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can hear more about Sue Atkins and the wonderful solutions that she has. I know that it seems silly, but these reviews and these ratings really make a big difference to people. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, I want to thank you for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts up there. The show notes for Sue Atkins will be up there. Memes will be up there that you can share. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you feel like you're falling short, you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy. Never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you. I'm here, right here with you. And as there are moments when we all doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you're 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. 
For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.